0: well welcome everybody back to the magic table we're glad you uh, are spending this time with us we are finally figuring out who wears the pants in the uh, Blandford family household <laughs> which I I for one am really excited to finally nail down here so oh, you're so dorky <laughs> <laughs> it is I mean like this idea like I know it sounds ridiculous but I think like so much of marriages can tend to be, like, who's wearing the pants, and I even hate that, like, phraseology, you know? Like, it's not helpful for basically anyone, but I think that, like, power struggles within marriages are, like, really common, and it's frustrating to me that that's true.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair.
0: So, we're not figuring out who wears the pants because that's dumb to even, like, think about, but we are going to talk about sort of our our roles and uh, specifically our gender roles in our marriage and how that works and where all that comes from. And we're just going to like piece this thing together and figure out something. Yeah. Probably.
1: <laughs> I know that makes you want to stick around and listen. Yeah. That right? yeah. Um, but yeah. So when we started talking about this episode, we kind of wanted to talk about just how we have non-traditional gender roles within our marriage that like to us feel really normal because it's like how we've always operated. Right. But we were talking about how like, especially, I mean, I think most often in the school setting, you know, when we like meet new families at our kids' school and they're like, so you go to work and like your husband picks the kids up from school? Like, yep.
0: Let's start before even that. No one knows which one of us is Curry and which one's JJ. Because our names are, like, ambiguous.
1: Right. So that, like, starts it (laughs) off really confusing. And, like, thankfully now I have, like, a more normal job. But when I was, like, working nights at the hospital and it would be, like, there is a mother supposedly she just sleeps all day
0: (laughs) which is totally normal
1: which is really great when your kids tell their teacher that and then you have to be like oh it's because i work overnight and i promise i'm a healthy human but um i think so often in really in those school settings like our dynamic is just non-traditional for most families and not that Like our setup is special. It's just different than most of our peers. And we get a lot of questions about how and why we have chosen this lifestyle. Yeah.
0: And it's so it's weird because I'm the primary caregiver for our kids, Yeah, which has been like increased with the pandemic where I mean, it's like been increased for like four years. But that's I mean, that's true. Yes, I have spent a lot of time caring for the kids, but when they're in school, it feels less like that. Right. Uh, You know, just having like little man around is easier than having all three around all the time.
1: For sure. Right. So like everybody's home and I'm gone more. Right. Therefore, (laughs) you are like extra caregiver.
0: Right. And I think a lot of what our ability to do that comes from privilege that i have a job where that's possible like as a pastor i uh work from home i don't have to be in an office 40 hours a week like a lot of other pastors and uh get to sort of like balance these roles along with a couple of other jobs in a podcast you know uh but there's a privilege to being able to sort of work from home and like pay attention to the kids and sort of balance all these things yeah
1: And so as we kind of started like talking about how we've gotten to that place again, often in the school setting, like it starts as this like kind of weird, like your family is different, but what we've come to realize is like, it starts as that like, Curry's a primary caregiver and is doing more school pickups and drop-offs than I do. Me and
0: the uh, school moms (laughs) He's hanging
1: out. But it it moves to this place of like, oh, like y'all really like, like each other a lot. Like You might actually like love each other. And then that is actually what makes us weird. And so as we kind of started processing this, like, yes how our family setup is, is unique. And that's like the first thing that people talk about being unique. But oftentimes the close second is like, oh, well, y'all are really weird because you don't do family quote unquote normally. And you seem to like genuinely love each other. And like that makes you really weird.
0: Yeah. I was thinking... I'm thinking back to the other day and you came home and we were talking about somebody you had an encounter with and you said like, you know, they're like really super Christian-y people. And by that you didn't mean like the, the like grace of Jesus just abounds in them that they love like more than anybody. You mean like they're weirdos and like are, are probably a little crazy if not a lot of crazy, right? And it, I guess we were talking about how sad it is that like being like really Christian-y means like you're kind of a jerk to everybody that you're around sometimes. And, uh, and I guess I, I would like to redefine really christian as like the dad really cares about his children and like doesn't see that as babysitting, you know, that, uh, that you can visibly see the love that, uh, they have for one another in a marriage, uh, that they both respect, uh, each other and both love each other visibly, um, that they like being around each other. Like, why can't that be, Oh, they're really Christian-y sort of people.
1: Yeah. I also don't know that everyone who describes super christian people, do. anybody yeah. <laughs> means it yeah. the way that I do. I think,
0: I think everybody sort of knows what that means. It's like a nudge, nudge, wink, wink sort of thing, you know? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we've all encountered Christians and we've all encountered like those Christians, you know, that um, sort of live a double life or, you know, um, say one thing with their mouths and yet do something different. Yeah. You know, so I don't know where I was going with that per se, but I feel like, you know, I I like our home is a a really safe place for a lot of people. And that's because we want it to be that way, and that's because we love Jesus and like think and we've
1: that, worked hard, like well, yeah. we didn't just decide that was a way to be
0: we've opened ourselves up to some like crazy stuff, <laughs> <laughs> but we're a safe haven for people oh, uh, because uh, because of that, and so like why, yeah, I guess why can't that be like, and they have a great marriage they're really they're really like. Christian. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. I'm just it frustrates me that Christian has such a negative connotation a lot of times in the uh not only in the church but in the wider in the wider world. Yeah. Yeah. So, so why the heck do we choose to live life like that? Like what I mean, you see a lot of marriages, you know, in your practice. We've seen a lot of marriages throughout our ministry, you know, you get to be mm-hmm. very involved in other people's sort of lives and see a lot of things, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, so, I mean, thinking back, like, why is it that, that we are able to function like that? Gosh,
1: I think part of it is, is we've walked through, I mean, we've talked about this before on the podcast, but I think in getting able to step into other people's lives, you get to learn from their lives. And so I think we've had really incredible people and marriages in our life that we look at and we say those are things we want to emulate which pieces of how they do marriage do we want to try to replicate in our own and we also have the opportunity I definitely know I've talked about this before but just you know that we will have conversations after we're with people and a lot of times you know I'm like if you ever speak to me like that in public or private we will have words like just and and i think so much of it is expectations we have talked about before just expectations are so significant in any relationship marriage or otherwise and so i think for us we we're like four years into marriage and we're just on a walk and had this very intense conversation of kind of that. We both had expectations within our marriage that the other wasn't meeting and we were trying to meet expectations that we assumed the other one had and we just weren't like satisfied with where we were. And it wasn't a conversation like when I say intense it, it, it will like always be a marker I think, in our relationship of just like, we were just like, what we're doing isn't working. What do we need to change? And I think part of it is at that point we were around, I mean, really, we were with, we were like living at curtin Lisa's house. Yeah. Because either Blythe had, we were waiting for Blythe to be born or she had just been born. So we'd like go over there for staff at like nine and like leave when the girls came home from school Blythe would literally just
0: nap over there.
1: For hours. For hours.
0: So we were kind of stuck.
1: Yeah. And so I just think we were in this place that we were watching other people be healthy. And we were like, hey, we just don't think we're as healthy as we could be. If we would have known probably what we know then, like we probably could have benefited from like going to counseling and just being like, help us work this stuff out. We figured it out. But I think part of it was we had this conversation about our expectations and them not being met. And we realized that we got better because of it, and so it just opened this door to kind of go back to this place of like, what are the expectations? And I think, like, we joke about it a lot that you're like the soccer mom.
0: <laughs> I am. It's legit. I drive the uh, I drive the SUV. You
1: wear athleisure. I do. I,
0: I just I basically just work out like all day and try to look good <laughs> so that when you come home you're impressed, you know. Um
1: but I mean, I think the reality is like because we're always having this these conversations about expectations at different times the expectations have just been different and I think part of it is we can discuss what they are, but they're flexible. And so in different times we just talk about what do we both need to be doing to kind of help the wheels to not fall off
0: well, and to help each other thrive. I mean, a lot of me taking over more of the childcare has been, uh, helping you thrive in your career. You know, I mean, as you've sort of changed jobs, as you moved into private practice, like that's just how it's had to be. And I could do that because I had flexibility within my job. And so right. it was okay. But I just feel like we've been around people a lot of people that like the woman has, has babies and stays home and that's what she does. And no matter what sort of earning potential that that woman has, no matter, no matter what people will sacrifice everything just to make that happen. And it's okay. Women staying home. It's great. You know, if that's, if that's how you've set this whole thing up, that's awesome. But the, the idea that it's, it's the woman or, nothing, you know, that there's mm-hmm. no other options, I think is really dangerous and I think a real misnomer for like a, a real misunderstanding of what even the point of this whole thing is. Like in my mind, we're just we're just making it, right? Like <laughs> we're, we're we're making it and we're making it together and we're doing what's best for our family, like each of us at this point. And if the, if that needs to change at some point, we'll have a conversation and we'll change it. And like that's just what we do. Like yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, But again, to me, that goes back to expectations is like, right. We know people who all they've ever wanted is to be a stay at home mom and they get to do that. And that is beautiful. And we know other people who, whether that's a husband's expectation or a family of origin expectation, have stayed home and it has been hard because that's not maybe the role that they wanted or are thriving in. And so I think part of it is right also being in a relationship we were talking about kind of like that we we have a partnership but we have a lot of respect and trust for one another and like part of that is that you can say to me like like it is very known in this household I'm a better wife and mom when I'm working in some capacity. I it's just it is our reality. And me staying home all the time would not be the best for our family. I
0: think you'd be great. You'd, you, yeah.
1: I'd yeah. figure it out yeah. and it would be, but I, I love the work that I do. And your and mental it,
0: health is better when you're like doing your work. Yes. Yeah.
1: And so I think like also that I have the freedom in our relationship to just be like, <laughs> I'm going to be a better human if I'm working in some capacity.
0: Yeah. I think, so th- I, I was thinking about this. I think there's a, this idea and it's, it's a lot like purity culture. There's this like a uh, dream scenario for a lot of people or this story that's told that just like purity, cult- purity culture says, right. If you save yourself for marriage, if you, you know, don't mess around before marriage, if you, if you check all these boxes that you're going to be rewarded with a great sex life in marriage, right? Like that, a plus B equals C every single time. And I think the same thing is true for marriage. Like if you want a happy marriage, wife does this husband does this. We stay in our roles and that equals a good marriage. And from what I've seen, and this is just anecdotal evidence from, I think some of what we've seen out in the wider world is that's not a formula for anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's mm-hmm. a for what I'll be, that's a formula for sort of wrecking a marriage uh, in that, If we don't subscribe to these exact things, these exact patterns of behavior, that we won't have a good marriage, actually put so much strain on the marriage trying to make it work that it actually kind of can derail a good marriage, you know, and sort of uh, make it to where nobody's happy because we're trying to fit a bunch of square pegs into sort of round holes uh, Mm -hmm. over and over again. And Mm so. I think just this, like we, we need to understand the narratives that we're told about what's good. And like, none of that stuff is biblical. There's no, Paul's not like, Hey, women stay home with your children till at least they're 18 uh, or, or maybe just at least until they're in high school, for goodness sakes, you know, Paul's not like talking about this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. This isn't like gospel truth. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, uh, uh we're, we're called to, to love God and love people from what my reading of, of scripture and, and, uh, I think how we do that best is not like a checking boxes off or, or living in, in a B and C way it's, it's, it's loving our neighbor and, and loving our spouses and our families enough to like, you know, figure out what works for everybody. You yeah. Know,
1: so I just, yeah. And I think we are kind of fed a narrative and I think like we keep reference referencing Christian culture, but I think, right. It is just, it is it's story. Culture. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It is. It's American culture. Yes. You... I, don't, I don't know about other
0: cultures, but it's for sure American <laughs> yeah, culture. Yeah.
1: But just kind of this idea of you grow up, you find this person, you get married, you have a happy marriage, you easily have whatever number of children yeah. you want, right. you have dream careers, and you ride off into the sunset. Yeah. And I think I think we don't realize how like deeply that narrative is like ingrained into us Mm -hmm. and that it's not necessarily a bad story but it's like if that's what you're holding on to like what happens when your marriage is unhappy what happens if you can't have children or your marriage falls apart or you know all the other things that life can throw at you and so I think part of it is just learning that like there is a narrative, but it is way more fluid than I think anyone tells us that it is. And it's figuring out together what that fluid relationship
0: looks like. When it were I mean, the same is true for singles. Like singles feel like they like if I've I failed if I hadn't I haven't married by
1: mm-hmm.
0: by this point. You know what I mean? Like I failed. I can, you know, Yeah. The whole kids thing. Like that narrative is an idol Mm -hmm. and it's an idol that, that most of us have set up in our lives for us and have continued to uh, live out. And Mm -hmm. when those idols come crashing down, it gets really ugly, uh, honestly.
1: Right. Well, and then like, I think too, and one day we will have an episode about this, but I also think as a church, that we do a really poor job of supporting single people and where they're at. And I think about the interview you just did with Debbie that you should link in the show notes, but just talking about how within church culture, there's like a hierarchy of like marriage gives you a higher status. And then marriage with kids gives you the highest status. And like, it's just like BS. Yeah. You know, it's some thing that we we ascribe value to people based on a narrative we've created that is not gospel centered. Yeah. And. Yeah, I think it does damage to the church. Yeah. Big C church.
0: Yeah. I also want to be careful here and point out that just because like we've made this work this way doesn't mean like it's all hunky dory like.
1: I have no idea what you're talking about.
0: (laughs) I mean, I do. I have a tendency, I'll be honest, to get bitter. I feel I do feel like the classic soccer mom in a lot of ways where I'm like, I, sometimes it feels like, good Lord, I just want to leave the house and like not have to talk to somebody, you know, and like I can get a, I can be very jealous of you sometimes because you get to leave the house and you like even have a half hour in the car each way of like quiet time, which feels like I mean, that, that, might, that feels like gold to me or yeah. something, you know, yeah. and so I can get really bitter and I can get jealous on my end like gosh here I am raising these kids and she doesn't you know what I mean she has no (laughs) she doesn't uh respect me or like see all the work that I do you know it's just like that like classic thing of like raising kids is hard yeah it's just hard yeah and I I think um when when we come to those moments and when I come to those moments I have to sort of like back up and like what are we doing this for and like what a privilege to have these children and like get to, to be with them. And, um, and I know she cares about what I do and like sees me, you know? Uh, and we, so we work it out like any couple sort of has to, you know? Yeah. Um, I, 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 I I hesitate to like make this seem like a dream scenario because it's definitely messy and it's ugly in it, you know?
1: Well, and, and also we know like it doesn't work for everybody. Right. like, Our reality is that because we've basically always had flexible jobs, one of us has always been home with our kids.
0: Which is a huge privilege. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so I think part of that is realizing like we've had a unique setup since Blythe was born. Mm -hmm. I mean, I went back to work when she was like six months old old, when I realized like maybe staying home full time (laughs) is not my jam.
0: You also had a barista for a husband. So, you know. (laughs) <laughs> There's some necessity uh, involved mean, there, yeah. right? But
1: let's be honest. What did I go back to work to do? Manage a cloth diaper I mean, store. I
0: think you were making more money than <laughs> I was.
1: <laughs> uh, working part time, yeah. um. But right, and part of its personality. We're just kind of like, oh, let's figure it out. Let's. We're uh, not planners.
0: That's tr- that's fair. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Which is like sometimes great, sometimes it's it not. gets us in trouble. Yeah. Right. Again, not that we're prescribing like what we do works for everyone. And I think there's principles. We've been married long enough and we've spent enough time with other couples that like there are some principles that we utilize that aren't unique to our family that I think should be maybe not cornerstones, but like part of Christian marriage. and.
0: Agreed. Yeah, I feel like I need to just say a couple things to dudes, though, here. Like, specifically as we okay. sort of Okay, you're so this. funny.
1: You can, like, totally tell when you, like, want to interject, but you're trying to give me the space. No, it's I
0: definitely, I want to, you know. I know, it's cute. Okay. I appreciate that. But I think, so I think dudes need to hear a few things. I think dudes need to hear that it's not emasculine to, like, be home with your children. Like Christianity is full of this, like faux masculinity that sees, uh, being manly as like, like a a certain set of things, you know? Um, I'm as masculine as, as any guy out there. I smoke meat. (laughs) Right. Like I, I, uh, I work out frequently. I lift weights, you know, I I I don't build stuff. I build stuff. Oh yeah. I love, I love carpentry. Like I, I can fix stuff around the house. Like whatever, like sort of masculinity most people have in their minds, I would fit, I would check most of those boxes, but like, I can also be a caregiver for children and like, that can be a part of like really strong masculinity. And we have this idea in our culture that if you're a man, you know, you like, like babysit, you're babysitting your kids when you're with them or something. And that's just, that's just crap. Like those are your children. So you're You're parenting, parenting, not babysitting. And I, I, it frustrates me to no end to hear, hear guys talk that way. It's a it's a, a lack of discipleship that the church has done to, to men, I think, in, in defining masculinity in certain ways and not allowing masculinity to flow into these other other areas of life. And so be with your, like, love your kids. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. care for your kids. That's important. You need to be doing that. You are going to regret it someday if that's not a part of 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 your life and so whatever you think makes you really a man um if you're in a position where you're married and you have children taking care of those babies makes you a man
1: can i like just add on to that I that. I, i mean i think the other piece of that is your kids will be better humans yeah agreed and Again, we joke all the time that our kids will be better because you are the primary caregiver. And I think the reality is when you are parented by two parents, you have a more rounded experience. Like in our scenario, I am more cautious. I am more careful. I give the kids less freedom and you give them more freedom and they like they need that balance and so if i was the only one parenting or you were the only one like they're just getting part of that and so i think part of that like being involved with your kids is you're just helping them like better understand different views and you know the likelihood too is kids connect with different parents in different ways and it's just good for your kids.
0: Yeah, I agree. I also think men need to hear that. Like caring for your wife is important. Like loving your wife is part of being a a good man, you know? And so I think a lot of dudes in general can tend to put their own needs in front of, uh, of meeting their spouse's needs, you know? And, um, maybe even guys meet, needs only because they want to get some, you know, I think that happens quite a bit, but like meeting your, meeting your wife's needs and, and caring for her and serving her. There's, there's nothing like non-masculine about that. It's not a masculine trait to sort of like do whatever you want all of the time. (laughs) And I know I'm, I'm speaking to like a a sort of subsection of guys, but I just need, I, I feel like as a pastor, I need men to be better. (laughs) And, um, (laughs) same goes for women. This isn't all just like, Oh, dudes are dudes have these problems, but I see these like really specifically. And we see these in a lot of marriages that we, we deal with where, where men are, uh, unwilling to sort of like, like come home from work. If that's, if that's your scenario and, um, take a load off of, of their wife or make sure she's meeting her sort of mental health needs or, you know, a, B and C. And so I am feeling just fired up about that and feeling like I need to, uh, to say those things. I just feel like Christianity specifically in America in general, have a toxic masculinity issue. (laughs) And Mm. a lot of what we're talking about is breaking down that toxic masculinity and showing that it's okay to like, it's okay to have emotions. Like God created us all with emotions and it's okay. It's okay to have emotions. Um, It's okay to cry. (laughs) Maybe I like, Uh, you don't have to cry, but I mean it's okay to cry sometimes it's it's okay to care to like be a caretaker for others to to serve others to love others like that's 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 the gospel and this this masculine you know uh thing that we've brought about in our in our country and that that feeds into our Christianity I think is really dangerous and makes us less less like Christ and therefore less meant manly uh, because of it
1: yeah does that make sense yeah yeah. no I think that makes sense and I think uh, right like to me it goes into this next thing that we talked about like when we were talking about like what's the purpose what are we trying to convey in having this discussion it's just like why why do we do all of this in marriage like what's the purpose and just that we were talking about like we really deeply believe that having a healthy marriage speaks the gospel to the world. I mean, the number of people, (laughs) like when I talk about Curry, I've been in different work (laughs) environments. Like I had a, a work environment that one of my coworkers would be like, you're married to a unicorn because people like this don't actually exist. And like, at first it was funny. And then it was really, really sad because I thought, like, he should not be the exception. He should be the rule. Right. And, like, it's weird that you think it's weird that I, like, deeply love him and I love being with him. And so. And I'm
0: talking trash behind my back basically, all constantly. The time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. And so, just this, like, that marriage is this beautiful gift, but the purpose is to glorify God like really and truly and and we do these things because our hope and our prayer is that people move from thinking like gosh how their family operates is really weird to like there is something beautiful and different about them and i want to know what makes them that way yeah and like right there are times that we do this really well and get to have really incredible conversations that are really gospel center I am sure there are also times that people would not look at us and be like I bet they know Jesus (laughs) (laughs) because we're human but I think we keep having these conversations and we want to have a healthy marriage and a healthy family because like yes we love each other and we care about each other and we like want to enjoy life together but like Our deep, deep hope is that people look to our family and see Jesus and want to know him in a different way. And like, if that's what, like, if we have to keep having really hard conversations and changing our expectations and sacrificing for each other a lot and saying, I'm sorry (laughs) when we're wrong and serving without complaining and doing all the things it's like like to us that is worth it to grow god's kingdom
0: amen i mean that was i i I mean we talked about this a little bit i mean the whole point of us getting married was yeah we loved each other and i think we're both willing to commit to loving one another forever although no idea what that meant (laughs) No clue whatsoever. I mean, we
1: were like barely twenty-two. Ignorance is bliss, right? But but do do people even? No, no uh, one ever knows what marriage entails. (laughs) Yeah,
0: when are you ever like, yeah, fully get this? (laughs) I can fully commit. You commit knowing that you'll grow into something better. But our the whole point of our marriage was that that uh, we knew that God's kingdom would be built better if we were together than if we were apart. Like we were called to do that together, to do this work together and, uh, seeing our lives as, as, as kingdom oriented rather than us oriented, I think changes a lot of our perspective. It's not about me and meeting my own needs all of the time. It's about God's kingdom, you know, and I, that that's our, that's our calling as Christians. It's what we're called to. It's not to, uh, win. It's not to uh, battle culture and, and, and get our own. It's not to like have, have every, like, it's not the, the prosperity gospel of having everything you've ever wanted. It's, it's God's kingdom at the end of the day. And, uh, if your marriage isn't sort of focused on pushing towards God's kingdom, then I think it's, it's missing something significant. You know, there's a reason that, that, that Christ in the church is, is pictured as, as a groom and a bridegroom, you know, the, the marriage, like we're, we're looking forward to a marriage supper of the lamb. Like the, the marriage is this beautiful picture of, of the gospel, not the only picture of the gospel for sure, but it is a beautiful picture of, of the gospel. And so I think that's important stuff to think through. Yeah. Um, I also want to say if you've, there's this uh, there's this idea that in our churches that wives are called to be submissive, husbands are called to rule, <laughs> reign, whatever you want to say, and that's a that that's a caricature. But a lot of us like have have really believed that. I I have an interview coming out on theology of hustle with uh, Beth Allison Barr, who has a book called The Making of Biblical Womanhood, just talking about how the history of, of where biblical womanhood really came from. And I just, if you're having like questions or if you're sort of struggling with what we're talking about here, you need to read that book comes out, uh, August or April 20th, maybe somewhere in there. Uh, and it is a, it is a great book that, that, uh, interviews forthcoming, but, um, I just, I just say this, uh, I did a lot of work on a passage from Matthew. It's Matthew 20, 24 through 28. It was like kind of my, my big paper when I was in grad school of, of, of interpretation. And John, the sons of Zebedee come to Jesus and they're like, hey, we want to know who's going to be in charge, right? We want to know who's going to sit next to you when you're sort of like glorified because like we're part of this Jesus thing. And Jesus says, you know, the kings of this world, they like to lord it over other people, but the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And we as Christians are called to serve. The kings of this earth, you know what they do? They lord it over other people. They're really obsessed with who's in charge. You know what Jesus did? He died the creator and sustainer of all things died so that we might have life. And to think that marriages are all about who's in charge is just, is crazy to me. When you look at a savior that came to this earth to die for us so that we might have life and have it to the full. Amen. And, uh, you're called to serve. (laughs) You're called to serve your neighbor. You're called to serve your spouse. You're called to serve your children. And that's how this Christianity thing is supposed to operate. And when we're obsessed with who's in charge, who's ruling over whom, we miss it. And I think um, your marriage needs a partnership with your spouse. You need to come together and 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 meet each other's needs on a mutual basis. And that's... that's what it is. I totally stepped on a huge soapbox there.
1: I know. Um, I'm like, you are fired up. I'm fi- I'm fired up. I, I I'm think frustrated. It's a, I'm and frustrated. I think it's appropriate. Yeah. I just think it's cute too.
0: <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, we watch a lot of brokenness in marriage and uh, it's frustrating. The ways that the church has uh, improperly defined sort of these roles and made people feel like If they don't fit some sort of Christian mold of like white Christian perfection that they're uh, less than, you know, they don't fit some mold of like you get married when you're blah, blah, blah. And you have kids by whatever. If you don't fit some like fit some set of expectations that somebody made up that you're not good enough. And I just I'm it's so contrary to who jesus really was and the and our call is as, as christians it's 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 grievous to me and so i think we live a a a kind of countercultural life not only for america in general but for the church in particular and i think we're all called to be countercultural people uh who aren't afraid to sort of step outside of the box and 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 love in a way that the world can't possibly comprehend.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, it's good stuff. And it always makes me want to make the caveat of like, that's our goal. That's what we're striving to. We don't do it well all the time.
0: Nobody does it well all the time. Anybody that like tells you they're doing it well all the time. You need <laughs> don't to, listen run, to run them. away. <laughs> run away from that person. If they have something to sell you and they they figured out everything, then like go run away. That person is not to be trusted. I think I want this conversation to keep going. This is the sort of stuff that we do. And so if, if uh, there are people out there that like want to talk more about this, you can join Patreon. Uh, we do a discussion, a Zoom discussion, after these little episodes roll out. So you get sort of a one-on-one time with us to talk about these things. If you're upset about this episode, I'd love for you to come on and air your grievances. You know, we'll we'll talk through this stuff. It's okay. You know, some of this stuff is is hard to understand. I just... Let's keep this conversation going, though, I guess that's the point we'd We'd love to talk to people about this and and, yeah. yeah,
1: and I know we say that like every time, but we we mean it, and if you live close, we'll fire up our garage heater <laughs> and sit outside. I long for the day when we can sit at our table again with the people we love and have hard conversations about life and marriage and family. Um, but until then, we'd love to meet you on Zoom. Yeah. Um, but like, marriage and adoption are like the two things that mean so much to us. Yeah. And any way that we could support you on your own journey, we would love to do it.
0: Agreed, totally agree. So do we figure out who wears the pants in the Blandford family? Did we, did we get it figured out? <laughs>
1: my first thought was it's not britain because he <laughs> doesn't wear <laughs> <her> pants touche
0: <laughs> touche yeah oh. i i think it's an important conversation we should be having and i'm glad we covered the whole thing here's the magic table as,
1: as we do we'll
0: see you next time y'all at the magic